Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. Internet radio show and podcast. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It is Thursday, April the 19th, 2012. This is episode 3.16 of the Ready to Unload radio show slash backslash podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro. Using his best radio voice, doing terrible radio right now. Terrible. It's science. And uh, let's bring my co-host, who apparently is fondling his microphone. Can you just try to fondle it a little bit? Can you just smack it around a little bit? Such a such a pleasant noise for the listening audience out there. Mr. Brian Calneva, Calpino. He's not even supposed to be here tonight. Calvi. Hi, Cal. I, th- I thought we weren't calling attention to each other's flaws. <laughs> I, th- I thought I thought we agreed to that three That's years right. ago. That's right. Welcome uh, to the uh, the big program here on Thursday night live. Yes, yes. Right under the bus I go, but I've emerged. You're back. I'm back. I threw you under the bus faster than Bobby V threw Kevin Euclid under the bus. Hey oh, hey oh. Oh boy, have Topical. some fried chicken. Topical. Chicken and uh, You know what I had for dinner tonight? What'd you have? I've been meaning to talk to you about this for the last oh what since you had dinner? <laughs> yeah, since like twenty five minutes ago. Because we you know, we had to we always eat late because of the little guy. Like if we can't do the whole family meal thing mm-hmm. which we do. We do a couple nights a week, you know, we're able to, you know, sit down and, and the three of us have dinner. That's nice. Does does the little guy give you his uh what happened during the day? He does. He does. His account of, of the day's events. <laughs> yeah, I asked him. I'm like, hey, Wes, so what gives today? How was it? The nanny nanny busting your hump over here or what? Trying to... <laughs> I know. It's your busy season. I know. I know. This is the busy time of the year. What with uh, all the Sesame Street and the playing. <laughs> um, no, actually, he comes and meets me now at the train. It's greatest. Just the greatest. Wow. By himself. Yes. That's <laughs> right. 16 months old. Just he just home. walks a couple blocks. It's Good luck. Teresa, Teresa pats him on the ass. Good luck. Go get him. Go meet daddy. Real quick, just one thing that I noticed, I you know, I had the pleasure of seeing him last weekend. Yes. And you, of course, and your lovely wife. And the whole gang really got together. 
It was nice. One of the things that that I took away from from your little guy is how intense he is and how serious he is about <laughs> everything that he does, from walking to m- pretend mowing a lawn. <laughs> I can't imagine where he got that from. Yeah, he got a hold of one of those little bubble maker lawn mowers there, and he was Man. in it. He, I mean, he was just like as if he were a landscaper. My man was in it. Yeah, just assumed the role. It was really he, impressive. He is intensity intensities. Like he really when he when he puts his mind to something. Uh, but it, uh, we were having dinner tonight late, and uh, just made some pasta nice. You know what I mean? Quick. Ooh, on a Thursday. You know, just a little pasta nice quick. But my question is: so we were having spaghetti, right? You know what my question is. And we're gonna we're gonna bring in our producer, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, in a minute to to ask him this question as is well. Is this the age old question? It's not the sauce gravy question. Okay, good. Because we've dealt, we've been yeah, there. We, we we went through we went down that road. No, this is a new question. Okay. The spaghetti. Do you break it? Oh, I now see. I thought your question was going to be um, pasta or macaroni. What do you call it? I, you know, I that's I grew up calling it macaroni. Macaroni. Like everything is macaroni, though. It's actually macaronis. Right. You have macaronis or whatever, and then you say, well, what kind? Right. And then you penne. break that. Penne, spaghetti. Uh, having a uh, gavadil, you know. L- little ziti. Little ziti nice. Right. <laughs> everything has to be followed by nice, too. Nice. Yeah, like my grandmother used to say. I've I've told you this before. My grandmother used to say, "You want me to make you a little little gava deal nice? I'll make it nice for you." Right. You know, or are you gonna have some cookies nice? Have some cookies nice. You see, my gra- my grandmother went with nice before whatever it was. I'll make a nice sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll make a nice antipasto. You I'm know, making... <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the hand, and no, you, nobody right. can see me, but you know, like. Right, she's doing the hand thing. I'm making like. I put a little butter on it for you. You like? Wow. <laughs> um, so spaghetti, do you cut it up? Yeah. Do you, well, no. Do you break it in half before you put it in the pot? There. Oh, oh, break it in half before you put That's it. That's what pot? I'm saying. Uh, no, we don't do that. See, I, I have this controversy with my wife, who I've said many a time is a fantastic cook, but is is not Italian American. Right. Uh, and she breaks it in half. She now, her, her, one of her favorite dishes in the world is spaghetti and meatballs. She loves spaghetti and meatballs. First date, took her out for spaghetti and meatballs. Nice, though, in Brooklyn. We had it nice. I love it. Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. We had spaghetti and meatballs nice. Like, I took her to a really good local uh, place in Williamsburg, La La Conda on Graham Avenue. We had spaghetti and meatballs nice. Oh, that sounds good. I may have had a little gavadil with the Fra Diablo sauce. Nice. But she insists that when you make it, I see. I break the spaghetti now. Now you now you break it. I do. I break it before I put it in the pot. We gotta let's bring in PJ on this. Peach, before we start talking about the sports and stuff, and there's a lot of sports to talk, Brian. There really is. Here he is. Oh, here comes PJ, straight from Albania. While we're playing, straight PJ. out of Albania. <laughs> straight out of Albania. That's like the worst rap. He is notorious lightweight, straight out of the Albania, yo. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, Peach. 
Peach, before we get your take on breaking spaghetti in half, um, before you put it in the pot, uh, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the NHL playoffs, which have been fantastic, but have had a ton of fights. So we're going to talk about that. Has it gotten too violent? Goonery. Uh, the Mets got off to a great start, but they're 3-5 and five since the 4-0 and oh start. We're going to figure this out, Cal. Then we're going to talk about the Yankees, sluggish start, bad rotation, Phil Hughes giving up six runs tonight, pitching for his rotation life. In comes Andy Pettit on the white horse, which makes a nice visual, by the way. Andy Pettit, nice. <laughs> Coming in on the cut white horse. striking figure. He, he, he does cut a striking figure on the white horse. And then uh, in the RTU fun load, which we're actually going to do, we may have Dan call us, our buddy Nello. And uh, Dr. E-Ray suggested a great one for tonight. It's... Uh, why are sports becoming less and less kid-friendly? Uh, professional sports uh, are marketed towards adults because they spend the money. Tremendously short-sighted, in my opinion. So we're going to talk about that in the fun load. So, however, Pidge, uh, my question to you is, spaghetti, before you put it in the pot, do you break it in half? Oh, no. <laughs> no. 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 So what are you trying to say? No. No. <laughs> Cal, have you That's been able it. to have you been able to discern what his answer is? Mm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. PJ, what do you what do you think? You break it? No, no, there's no need. There's none. There's no need. Well, it's a pot it, of is, boiling water. You let it you let it sit there. It softens in about eight seconds and slides right in. I I I, I do I now do both. I find but that if you, I'm in a greater rush, I, I break it up. Well, but do you, are you are you a twirler when when it comes time to eat? I am not a twirler. I'm a scoffer. You're not a twirler. No. You don't twirl it on the spoon. No. My wife does though. Well, that's, that's good not to enough hear. to twirl. The Texan does. She twirls it on the spoon. Maybe well, she she girl. uses a small fork then. If there's not she, enough to twirl, she uses a little shrimp fork. Oh, she's she's dainty with it. She's the little lobster fork. Oh, that's cute. Did you have lobster forks when you were growing up as kids? Like in the in the fork drawer? No. Were there not? Seafood was not allowed in my house growing up. By the way. What? Seafood was not allowed in my house. Was there an allergy situation? No, my dad um, does not like. Any anything that has been dwelling in the sea. Uh, that's that's racist. <laughs> it probably is. He's an anti crustaceanite. He doesn't He's want it. An... Doesn't want it in his house. Well, wait. Does he eat fish? No. So it's not just no. bottom dwellers like lobster and stuff like that. He will not eat fish. He'll simply say, "I don't eat fish." But if you bring up the topic of the bottom dwellers. The giant bugs of the ocean that eat fish poop to live. Wow. He will get really angry with you. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, so there I was had no, there was I had no, no idea. Food. I didn't. I the only time I could have fish is if my mother took us to Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. And that's not even really fish. I mean, who? Well, are we what kidding? did I know? Yeah. <laughs> now wait, wait, hold on. Hold that was on. as close as we got till Red Lobster came to town. Off the treacher's seafood restaurant. 
I remember the commercial very It well. might be seafood. We <laughs> don't know. We're banking on it, but we can't we be sure. This was once fish. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Treachers, wow. That's, That's a tasty. tough sell. That's a tough sell. Now, tough sell. Have you been to Arthur Treachers, or did you used to go to Arthur Treachers where they would serve you the, the fish and chips in the basket with newspaper? I don't eat fish either. Wait, what? <laughs> So you know all about hanging out with my dad. That's right. Your dad and I you should get together and go bowling. About how gross fish are. Yep, I don't eat. I don't eat fish either. If you don't eat fish, then what did you do with the lobster forks in your drawer? Well, everybody else in my family ate fish. Just because I didn't eat fish and or bottom dwellers doesn't mean it was for, verboten in the house. Like uh, Mr. Cachopo can throw down those rules. I didn't have that kind of authority in my house. I wasn't wielding that kind of power. Like, my older brother would be like, yeah, well, we like fish. So sit down. I'd just turn my older brother into every sitcom bully ever. <laughs> so sit down, four eyes. But I don't wear glasses. Shut up. You nerd. Then we, uh, <laughs> we, we found out many years later, like 25 years later, we were sitting around at a big family holiday, and uh, my my grandmother was there. Big fish and, fry. And we we found out my grandmother uh, admitted that um, when when they were like, when the kids were growing up, um, she she won she uh, took a whole fish and she like <laughs> she like shoved my dad's face into a into a raw fish. <laughs> Like he had done something really stupid and really out of line, and she needed to punish him, and she didn't know what to do. All she had in the kitchen was the fish. That would so he got a face. So he got a face full of fish. So we think we think that's probably why he won't go near fish. Traumatize a guy. Total trauma. Boy, Uh, that you know we're going to talk about this later in the fun load again. You bring up like what you could. This whole idea of being a kid, or what what it was like when we were kids, whether it be sports or or, or otherwise, uh, has really been on my mind of late. We went to our buddy's uh, uh, little baby's first birthday party, and we were all there with our kids and stuff like that, and 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 realizing, you know, obviously we're all getting older, but uh, just how different it is for it's going to be for our children, for your children. Whether it comes to sports, whether it comes to like, if if you did the fish treatment now as a punishment, you know the next thing you'd hear is, yeah, it's social services. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean that's like an AOL headline. What mother abuses child with fish? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder he, if he he's... Done, but he had done something really bad though. Like he had like, like. He had like a maybe it was like a pellet gun, and he shot it out the window at neighbors <laughs> on McDougal Street or something. He had done something really outrageous. But was it fish worthy? I don't know. I mean, that that's traumatic, man. Having your face shoved in a fish, all <laughs> <laughs> fish. That's traumatic. Hey, I what think were it's fantastic. What are you gonna say, Cal? You wonder what? No, I just wonder when. At, at kid orientation that all of these kids must wind up going to at some point because they all do the same thing. <laughs> um, I wonder if they're given the number to CPS and, you know, 
they're just instructed as, as soon as your parent yells at you or that's right is mean to you give him a call yeah. I, I i i tease my mom all the time because you know i i mean just there's the first time she came and stayed with us after i had gotten married and she was cooking and she said to, she said to teresa said to my wife oh you don't have any wooden spoons <laughs> it's like she was looking around the kitchen for like wooden spoons to, but she was cooking, right. and I like I like it shuddered like very much to myself like I had a quick shudder, like oh no we don't allow wooden spoons in this house no like oh, I, I, I I came home from work that night and my mother had bought like wooden spoons, <laughs> and they were like in my kitchen I'm like get those out of here, <laughs> who brought wooden spoons so. He- it was the wooden spoon for you. I don't want to get into. I, I think there there might be a statute of limitations. I okay. think there is on on what my mother. Let's just say my mother. Uh, I was tough. I was my tough. mom chased me around the house with a chair. <laughs> she brought she brought the chair up right over her head. And yeah. Of course, what once you see that, you start running. Most <laughs> kids. <laughs> And she chased me with it. I love it. We have the slipper. The slipper. Huh? My grandmother my grandmother was a slipper lady. Which I gotta tell you, that the the fear of that wore off very quickly when you realized it was a slipper. It was like a soft fuzzy slipper. Yeah, it was you know, the flat you know, the slip on. We really literally chased through the house by the slipper. Yeah. But as we're being chased we're laughing at the ridiculousness of being chased by a slipper. <laughs> My favorite with the slipper with my grandmother was, you know, she she would throw them. She, she was like, a, you know, like that Eddie Murphy routine about the, the shoe and the mother. Yeah. You know, his mother used to be able to throw the shoe like a boomerang or whatever and stuff <laughs> like that. My grandmother did that, you know, way obviously before – to like her kids, like way before Eddie Murphy. But the joke was, like idiots, they would bring the shoe back to her. <laughs> Like my one uncle used to always say to my other uncle, like, "What are you doing, you idiot? She's just gonna throw it at us again." You know, like, "What are you? Why are you bringing it back to her? She just winged it at us." <laughs> here, 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 mom. Here, here you go. Did it you, occur you, to any of them to start behaving? No, no, no. I, I mean, look, it's it's obviously a different time, and 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 I I don't think there's like a need to do that. You know, oh, well. But but then again, my son's only 16 months old, so. There may not be a need, but there sometimes is a want. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. Oh, yeah. No, I picked up the kitchen chairs, too. Yep. And then uh, you feel I, ridiculous because you realize you can never hit them with the chair. You just run around with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I threw, a, I threw a basket of clothes about a week ago and felt, you know. About as small as as my kid, <laughs> right? But you what, what am I doing? Right, but you didn't throw it at her. And that's oh, different. I wanted to. I know, it's but I didn't. But I didn't. But you didn't. Right. No, you didn't. And that's the difference. That's and, that's what separates us. So now here I am, sitting in the hallway picking up socks, putting them back in the laundry basket, and what have I done? Feeling like a jackass. What did I do? Asking yeah. yourself, well, how did that go? <laughs> she's she's off playing. Right. I am feeling guilty and cleaning got, up the mess. I've got more crap to do. 
well, Peach, I uh I'm and Cal, I'm gonna take this information back to Teresa. So no breaking of the pasta. Alright? No. If that's no. the way it has to be. No. I, I, wow, you you're getting very upset. Yeah, this really No. Yeah. No. You're you're no, about to is, go This is this is this is a mistake. This is this is a break from cultural norms. It's unnecessary. What's the it's purpose a waste of, break- of effort? What's the purpose of breaking the spaghetti? Cooks faster. No. How about a bigger pot? <laughs> you break the spaghetti, it cooks in half the time. That's correct. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> I think that's an urban myth. PJ's PJ's on the verge of a Christian bail breakdown. <laughs> about about this. PJ's on the about to start cursing me out. That's right. <laughs> Do I come what's into your, your booth, What's your name? What's your job? What's your job? Is it to break the pasta in half? <laughs> Do I come into your kitchen and break the pasta in half? Get off my set and keep the pasta whole. Get out of my kitchen. By the uh, way, I thought he was totally right in that. He was totally right, but you can't right. do that. Look, there's an old standing rule. You you are the way you're considered in Hollywood is the way you treat the crew. The guys that work a ton treat the crew great. The guys that don't or stop working treat the crew like crap. Because those guys, that was one of the first things I, in in uh, one of the acting schools that I went to in Los Angeles, a very prestigious one and a very good one, mm-hmm. where a lot of people have studied and a lot of people, uh, uh, famous people have worked. It was, it was a great place. Um, was the first rule the was. Treaches acting. Arthur Treach's School of Acting and Fish Sticks. It was. He was an actor, you know. Of course he was. All right, I'm just saying. Look, I had an Arthur Treach's right next to a Roy Rogers. Oh my God! I mean, there was there was hacky B movery <laughs> movie uh, movieery all around me. No, movery was the best was the, was the better word. Movie was a good word there. It was ma- like Madam Movery. Um, <laughs> No, but the first rule they tell you is be great to everybody on the set. Be great to the crew. Be great to the 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 lighting guys. Be great to the because they're the guys that make you look good. That's it. You can be a jerk to the director. Knock yourself out. <laughs> you know. I mean, you don't want to be, but you want to be easy to work with. But Christian Bale's got a lifetime in movies, though, and I, I bet he's actually not like that. I, I, Peach, I agree. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what the rule is. I I think that was a one-off situation. I yeah. think that was a uh, you know probably a situation where the guy had it coming and he did something unprofessional. But again, if you do that consistently, ask Val Kilmer, you stop working. <laughs> you know what though? In today's world of social media, you you can't have a bad day. No. No, you All can't. it takes is one iPhone in the room, and you're done. That's it. And everybody's got an iPhone in the room, so you just. I feel bad. I feel bad for the actors today. They can't. They can't slip up. Yes. Well, and I, I feel bad for the actors and the athletes. I, I feel bad for athletes too. You can't. You can't make mistakes. I feel nope. bad for the pasta cooks, who are breaking their spaghetti for no reason. Thanks, Peach. We'll talk to you in a bit. <laughs> yep. Now, Peach, before you go, 
uh, uh, Scott, who's been a guest on the program, uh, our Scotty Islander fan, right, Cal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe we can talk about this a little later on in the show, when the show gets loose. You know, like after 10.30 or after 11 when, like, it's no holds barred in Moscow. We're still working out the kinks right. in the first part of the show. Right. right now we're about to jump into all the sports stuff that we want to talk about. We may bring PJ back to tell us, you know, what Wikipedia says about breaking up your pasta in half or something. But but when the kids go to sleep, we'll really get into it later. We, with the lights we out. We loosen the ties. You know, by then I'm on my third scotch, so we're That's fine. right. That's pants optional portion of Ready to Unload. That should be the name of the segment, by the way, after 11. Like, anything after 11, <laughs> RTU pants, pants optional. optional. Okay. Oh, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll put down some uh, some lounge music for that next week, and uh, we'll, we'll do Sweet. that. Uh, but, uh, Peach, uh Scott says, happy wall day. Son of a bee, I, I, I started writing the email, and I forgot to send it, and now it's gone. And, yes, it is wall day. It That's is wall. today? I think it's... What is it? Twenty-one years ago? Uh, yeah, nineteen ninety-one. Nineteen ninety-one. Twenty-one years ago, our good friend Pop Culture PJ, and and also along with my brother and some other of our great friends of the program, performed a version of the Wall in Binghamton, New York, that uh, became legend. I've heard about it many times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Today we had 500 chairs and 5,000 people came. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah, yep, that's right. So Scott uh, texted me that said, tell, tell PJ happy wall day. And same to you, Pink. Yes, he played Pink, my brother. Always outdoing each other, Scott and I. But that, we'll save that for another Stampedology, Cal. Oh, that's good, part two. That'll be the acting one, right. Right. Last week you had the Sampedology for music. Right. You and still have, yeah, part two would be acting, part three would be sports. Oh, but there's there's so much to do there. I mean, we can't just have that one little insulting nugget be the be the music chapter. <laughs> Why? I mean, because that was, Pretty much oh, that was all about you being a douche and the douchey people around you being douchey back to you. I mean, that shouldn't be it. That's it. That's all I get. No. The people don't care. I don't like this crew. I thought the no. uh the I don't I thought, like your editing process and I don't like your final product. I thought the <laughs> uh wow. Gee whiz. That was awfully corporate. <laughs> Where are you filling out a, you filling out your exit interview? I've been dealing with the big wigs at Animal Planet. Those guys are tough. Yeah, Pete uh Pete is working with the Animal Planet show, Cal. Great. Yeah. How do they feel about ready to unload? Are they ready to uh, come on board, be a sponsor? Um, no. No. <laughs> you couldn't even lie to me there and say you were talking no. to somebody about something? Or <laughs> It's going to be the theme of the night is me just emphatically saying no. 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 <laughs> no. Do they break their pasta over there? <laughs> they don't. Even, and, even they, the- and they wouldn't. Even no. in the animal kingdom, they don't break their pasta. No. He has can video I, of of marsupials making pasta. Can I tell you? <laughs> can I just can I just give you a little picture and then I'll then I'll get out of here and leave you guys alone. In in one room, I was working on an Animal Planet show um, that was really all about poop. 
fantastic. about poop scooping, and it's going to be a great show. I guarantee it. But this show is about poop scooping. You had me at poop. Across the hall, and and they had Animal Planet at poop. They they pitched this show, and Animal Planet couldn't couldn't get the money out of their pockets fast enough. <laughs> we want to be in the poop business with you, Animal Planet. Exactly. And it all takes place on Long Island. So the poop capital of the world. The poop, yeah. The, well, the home the poop, of poop. The lawn poop capital of the world. Yeah. Yes. That's true. People don't clean up after their own animals. Anyway, so that was in room A. Then across the uh, across the hallway in room B, I was uh, overseeing a live shot of Heidi Klum in Vegas. <laughs> wow. It was uh, that was a real well, A and B for me. Was, you were on uh, opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. What, what a you, strange visual. Going yes. from Klum to poop and poop to Klum. It's just so random. The two, you know, contradictory images. Yeah, both, she wasn't doing anything for Animal Planet. She was she was doing something for CBS. Which but show will do better, poop or Klum? Poop, actually will probably get higher and more consistent ratings. That isn't she separated from Seal? Is that me? Yeah. I, I I know. I'm the one who watches Project Runway, so I should probably know this, but I think they are now. They're I just a read something right now. Yeah, I read something that reconciliation was not a uh, not a potential uh no. not going to happen there. No. No. So you're no. saying Heidi Klum is single? She was yesterday. Wow. Wow. There you go, boys. Get out there. Get on Get it. Get out there. There's She's a in six Vegas. Foot, there's a six-foot Austrian walking around. I, I'll give you your first clue where to find her. She's in Vegas. That's right. We know she's in Vegas. Is she Austrian? No. No. I she's don't know. Uh, Dutch. She is I don't the think loveliest, either of those things. Person. You want to talk about someone who's really great to the crew? She is yep. the loveliest, nicest person. Then, well, then she'll always work. That's right. Thank you, Brian. Brian has picked up on the key to acting. I think that, that I think we've learned that. The you won't catch Heidi Klum shoving your face into a fish. German. <laughs> Thanks, Beach. Yes, she is German. Of course she is. Yeah. Max Schnell. Um, Cal, yeah. speaking of German. The NHL? The NHL playoffs. The other day, I thought the pedo – we had Bill Pedo from MSG Network on. Um, that's episode number 3.15. You can get that in the iTunes store. Uh, definitely check that out. It was a great half hour. A couple things about that, and then we'll move on to the Rangers and the NHL playoffs, Cal. But um, I thought the Overman stuff, the Keith Overman stuff was amazing. Like he talked a lot about his time at ESPN and during SportsCenter's heyday and – Stuff that we could really relate to, and I went back and, and listened to it again. And the Overman stuff is really interesting. Oh yeah, you know, especially considering what has just happened to him on True TV, and he's out of another job. And I think it was current or uh, current TV. Thank you. And he, he continues to sort of war with any producer that he has, or the. I think Al Gore is. <laughs> Al Gore is it the Al Gore? Is it the same Al Gore? I think it, yeah. Like the ex-presidential candidate, Al Gore, invented the internet, Al Gore? Yeah, that's him. Right, so he was warring with him. Huge. But, you know, what he said about him writing the copy and 
just and of course we talked about on the show on another show a while back, if you remember, that sports night, the Sorkin show, according to Oberman, both characters are based on him. Right. Because he's always asked, which one of Josh Charles and Peter Krause is Dan Patrick and which one is you? And he says, they're both me. Or Sorkin told him once, they're both him. Right. But anyway, uh, really good interview. And lo and behold, what I said about the king, King Henrik, who is now 1-7 and seven in his career in overtime playoff games. 1-7. And seven. And he moves back to seven games under 500 as a playoff goalie. Enough. Rated, overrated, underrated? Overrated. No, I, Cal. Honestly, well, you've been you've been saying that for a long time, and they're and up two nothing in that game yesterday, Cal. They have to win that game. You can't give up a 50 foot slap shot and a 50 foot goal. And and have everybody on Twitter, everybody who follows the Rangers makes excuses for this guy. It was a soft goal. It was a soft goal. It was a 50-footer. Yeah. I read in the paper today, a 50-foot laser. There's no uh, such thing. <laughs> thing. I'm sorry. It's 50 feet away. Come on. Yeah, laser was a little bit generous. Yeah. Now, I, the overtime goal was not his fault. He was screened. He never saw it. But still. Shouldn't have, got, big, it shouldn't have gotten to that shouldn't point. Shouldn't have gone there. He's not a money goalie, Brian. He he. Now we did we we talked about this, and and I don't necessarily agree with you that he is as highly touted as you say that he is. Um, but he's certainly not as good as his accolades. How about that? He's a he's been a great regular season goalie. He that, has. That's fine. To me, that 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 that's not what a great NHL goal. That's not where you build your legacy. I mean, we said this with Pito, with Bill, and he he agreed. You know, and I know you agree. Your legacy as an NHL goalie is built in the playoffs. You can be the regular, you know, greatest regular season goalie of all time. If you stink in the playoffs, then who are you? You know, you're Henrik Lundqvist, apparently. No, but I'm saying there's a, there's a there's a, a cavalcade of goalies that are great in the regular season and choke under pressure. Right. And granted, he's been great in the regular season for longer than most of those guys. But look, all that aside, it's a shame to me because this is a good team. The Rangers are they're the number one seed. Oh, and not only that, but they're gritty. They're scrappy. They have scoring. They have stars. They have. They block so many shots, Brian. They do. It's ridiculous. I think the other night, I think it was game three? Game two or game three, Carlson had ten shots and had ten shots blocked. For ten shots, they blocked from one guy. Yeah, you watch this team, and they're the number one seed in the conference but they all, to a man, seem willing to do what they need to do in the playoff. You know, they're they're going to block shots. They're gonna they're gonna be physical. They're gonna do what they need to do to win the series. They're, they're not resting on the laurels of being the number one seed. And you know, sometimes, and we're seeing it in the others in the other conference too, with Vancouver and the Kings, the number one seed is under a ton of pressure. 
in that first round. A ton. Because you're the number one seed. You cannot, under any circumstances, lose to the number eight seed, a team that barely made it into the playoffs. You know, so so sometimes these teams, it's interesting to see how they respond to that pressure. And Vancouver the, the, won the President's Trophy this year. They were one game. They were almost swept in the first round. You know, they won last night to, to keep the series alive. But, you know, Vancouver's down 3-1. The Rangers series is tied 2-2 now. It's, it's anybody's series. Best of three now. It's just interesting to see the number one seeds, um, you know, certainly in Vancouver's case, struggling. But in the Rangers' case, having, having a tough time of it. Are they playing tight? Brian, from what you've seen, I didn't think they were tight last night. I thought they were a little tight last night, but when they when they were up to nothing, I think they got a little conservative. Absolutely. Once they, but they've done that all series. Once they've gotten a lead, yeah, they've sort of turtled, and I think that's hurt them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and I think that that goes along with the pressure of being the number one seed is that they right. just okay, we got the lead. Let's just let's just survive now and hang on to win this game yeah. rather than play the way that they have normally played before that throughout the season and in the early parts of these games, you know, play like, you you know, go win the game. Don't not lose the game. Right. Now this is, that's been a, uh, so I actually watched a little bit of it yesterday. I've been watching, you know, a little bit of the series and stuff, really paying attention to it. The Pittsburgh flyer series is, I I mean, it's just insane. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. 10-3? Ten three? What was the final yesterday? Ten three. <laughs> Flyers are up three nothing in the series somehow over the you know the favored Penguins without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Nobody's playing any sort of goal right now. Nobody's playing. We might as well have Roly Melanson in there right now. There's nobody's playing any sort of goal. Well, that's not fair to Roly. Oh, I'm sorry. Roly the goalie. Hey, Roly the goalie was a better playoff goalie than Henrik Lundqvist. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take Chico Resch. I'll take Kelly Rudy, Cal. All right. Kelly Rudy Let's, was cool. Kelly Rudy was good. Well, he had the he had the bandana, the headband, he had the the headband, which I used to wear when I played uh, floor hockey in college because right. of, because of Kelly Rudy. Kelly Rudy was cool. when I played goalie. Yes, Kelly Rudy was super cool. And then he went out to LA and he was like ridiculously cool. Were you out there when he was out there too? No, no, that was way after. I was out there way after. Rudy was playing for the Kings in. But the mid-90s, right? The mid-90s. Because he's playing for the Islanders in the early 90s. Right. Uh, and they. Oh, he played for the Islanders, and he didn't make it to the early 90s. Had to. I thought Hextall replaced him. No, Hextall replaced Glenn Healy. So it was Rudy, then Healy? Rudy, right, that's right. I think it was Rudy. Rudy it was Rudy, then Mark Fitzpatrick. Right. And then Healy. But Fitzpatrick had that strange blood disorder, right? He did have a strange, yeah. Which the Ranger fans love to call him the Steve Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, or Bubble Boy. Right, classy. Classy. Yeah. You stay classy, Ranger fans. Right. Uh, because he had a skin, or he had, a, I think, a blood disorder that made his, his hands and stuff blow up and swell. He did. That's right, Fitzpatrick. Number 30? Number 30. All right. Rudy was? Rudy was... Um, 30? Rudy was 30. Right, Healy was thirty-five. Right, and then Hextall came in as number seventy-two. Seventy-two because twenty-seven was taken. Right, because he had been twenty-seven. Yeah, that was well. Let's let's move on from that. <laughs> anyway, 
So nobody's playing goal in that series. No. Um, Ten goals in a playoff game. Well, what was crazy about it was that after the first period, it was four to three, and it was still a game. Right. It was, and then six six unanswered goals. Five goals in the second period, and right. okay, this one's. But over. the the other then in game two there were 158 penalty minutes. Right. And basically, the Hanson brothers were skating around. Uh, Brendan Shanahan looks exhausted. Yeah, we, I was talking to somebody about that this week. It really, it really is a thankless job. That it, job it, that he has. It is. I want to ask you about this. Uh, you know, we we didn't get to talk about the suspensions and stuff like that from Game Two with the Rangers, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody went crazy about uh, Hagelin getting suspended for uh, getting suspended for three games and no suspension for uh, Karkner, who who jumped uh, uh, Boyle, but he didn't jump Boyle. I mean, that's my problem. I know I'm anti-Rangers, but I, I'm trying to be fair about this. He didn't jump Boyle. They were jawing with each other. Boyle chose not to fight. Right to try not to get a penalty, et cetera, et cetera. The only problem I have with any of any of Shanahan's decision, et cetera, et cetera, was in-game, Dubinsky shouldn't have gotten a match penalty. No, of course not. Because that's a, a referee's uh, – that's an official's discretion penalty, that third man in penalty, and Dubinsky came to his teammate's defense. Anybody would have done it. He wasn't trying to instigate a further fight. He was trying to – uh, to defend his teammate, who was clearly not fighting. Right. And so the referees could have given him a five-minute major and been done with it. He, he should not have gotten a match penalty for that. But yeah, the, the three-game suspension for Hagen, I have no problem with. He left his feet. Yeah, just it didn't. It seemed like it seemed like a lot. Oh, Callie skated from thirty feet across the ice, left his feet, and elbowed the guy in the head. Well. When 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 you put it in the context of what they're trying to do with with the with the head shots, you know the shots to the head, in all sports, but you know specifically in hockey, then it was a, it was a pretty dangerous play. And I you know I get the suspension, I get suspend. I I think three games was a lot. I would have I would have preferred to have seen them. I would have preferred to have seen them suspend Hagelin for two games, but then suspend Karkner for two games also. Instead of just the one, you know, maybe yeah. maybe even it out a little bit because the thing with Karkner and Shanahan was on the radio here in New York, and his his explanation for why Karkner only got one game. I don't know if you heard this. I did. I heard Shanahan, and I have a, a take on it too. So go ahead. No, his explanation was was basically Karkner was throwing punches, and only one connected with the head. That's right, and, and that's basically why. It was only a one-game penalty, and also Boyle got up and played the rest of the game. Right, right. But the way that that sounded was was essentially, if Karkner had better aim, he would have been suspended more. He probably would have. So he was. But but, but Cal, if he had better aim, Boyle would have been more injured. He might, he might have. See, that's the point that he that Shanahan who's the, the league's policeman now. And it is, you're absolutely right. It's a completely thankless job. And I have a question on that for you when you're done. But Shanahan uh, was explaining that, or trying to explain that, in the NHL, the difficulty to have consistency in suspensions, in fines, et cetera, et cetera, is that what's written into the players, and this is in the, the players' union, has this written into the CBA, and written into the contract is, the injury sustained is considered when doling out the punishment. 
So it, but it's, okay. But, but what they what they were misinterpreting uh, in this particular interview here in New York on WFAN was, it's the only consideration. It's not. It's not. It's a consideration. And Shanahan's point was, if the injury is severe, that probably means the hit was illegal. Okay. In other words, if you were able to concuss a guy and knock him out, you probably left your feet. In other words, you probably did something that was illegal. Because right. a, a, a legal check... See, if, if if Haglund hadn't left his feet and thrown an elbow, he wouldn't have gotten suspended, even if Alfredson had suffered a concussion. I mean, Shanahan said that. he wouldn't. Have, if it was a clean hit and Alfredson suffers a concussion from a clean hit, mm-hmm. we're not going to suspend him for that. Well, but then the other thing was that he, he was very clear that the penalty would not be reduced based on whether Alfredson was going to play. Because there was, there was a lot of talk before game three that Alfredson was going to play. Right. He, he skated that morning. He was, they were thinking about, about putting him in the lineup, and now he ultimately didn't play games three or four. Right. But he, and he also missed the rest of game two, which factors into it. Right. If Alfredson gets up and skates around and comes back in the third period, he's not getting suspended for three games. He probably would have gotten one. Right. You know, but at, when they doled out the suspension, they figured, oh boy, I love saying doled out. I'm having a party with that. What else? What else do you dole out? What else could? Yeah. Well, you, you dole out uh, punishment. Seems to be the big one, right? Punishment, suspensions. You can dole out uh, candy to the children. I don't know if you dole it out. You don't dole that out. I don't think so. Soup. Do you, you dole, dole out, out soup? soup? I think she would. I guess. So. <laughs> Thanks, Peach. <laughs> soup. All right. Well, that, well that's like. That's like Bill Simmons' old old thing. Um, really, the only two things you ever induce are double plays and labor. That's correct. <laughs> what else? What else would you induce? Vomiting. And vomiting would That's be right. the third one. However, there are several uses of induction. Uh, or is there other one other than the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I don't. I don't think there is. Or a Hall of Fame. And and. <laughs> I it, was in, I was inducted into my fraternity. There you go. Okay. You're inducted into your fraternity or or so or like a group like that. The Knights of Columbus. The Knights of Columbus, for example. The Water Buffaloes. You're inducted into that group. That's right. Right. There's an induction ceremony. Right. But you really only induce, yeah, labor, vomiting and uh, a double play. And it's not the induction of a double play. It's the, no. the inducement. Of a double play. Is the pitcher the inductor? The if hitter he, is the inducee? Well, he'd be the inducer. Inducer. The That's pitcher right. would be the inducer. And PJ is the producer. That's right. <laughs> so while he's doling out soup and penalties and punishment and fines. Wait, you can dole out fines, No. No, you levy a fine. You levy a fine. Well, you could dole. No, you would dole out a suspension in which you would levy a fine. Still doesn't sound right. I think you're just doling out punishment. Can we have somebody look up dole? I wish we had somebody on staff who would do that for us while we were doing the show. (laughs) Do we have somebody? Can we hire somebody? Bob Dole, look up dole. 
Bob. Wow, Bob's a whole invitation. It's a relevant invitation, right? Yeah, good job. <laughs> you gonna do, whip out your Clinton now too while you're at it? Uh, I am bulletproof. Oh man, my favorite Dow Hammond Clinton. Do you have a favorite Dow Hammond Clinton? I, I love the McDonald's one. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was uh, Hartman. That was Hartman. That's right. That was during the campaign. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Hammonds. <laughs> Let me check out these fries. They look really good. <laughs> My favorite Hammond one was on Weekend Update. Uh, I think it was Norm Macdonald. And it was after he, you know, Clinton had gone through the impeachment and the whole thing and He's like, let's go to President Clinton now to comment on the entire situation. And Hammond just looks at the camera and goes, I am bulletproof. <laughs> and then they go back to Norm. That was it. That was his whole that was his whole commentary on the news. I am bulletproof. He really was good. Bob the key Bullard. to using the word dole or doling out is the small portion or to distribute sparingly. So if you're saying that someone's doling out something in huge quantity, then you then you're saying it ironically. Okay, so in in use with doling out punishment, how how does that fit? Because that's used often for doling out punishment. Mhm. In in yeah, I'm talking in a that's, league suspension situation. Right, so that that's ironic usage. Wow. Those Canadians, they don't even know what or, they're doing to the organization. Or it began as ironic usage and has since become the commonplace usage because I guess it was too nuanced and it was because, just, it was right, forgotten. Because American or American <laughs> idiots. suggesting that they were doling out things in huge quantities. Right. Or it was so ironic that it came back around to being normal. That could be. It could actually, actually, can you get your head around that? Me in English class used to say ironical. Is that ironical? I'm just wondering. Is that ironical? No, it's moronical. Well, what a maroon. He didn't do that well. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> let me ask you, PJ, everybody. Let me ask you a question. This is the last thing I wanted to talk about. And this came up in my discussion this week. Do you think the NHL is better served by appointing a committee instead of one man as the as the sole arbiter in these cases, like Brendan Shanahan, and, and before him it was Colin Campbell, and before him it was Brian Burke. Do you think it's better to get a committee of, say, an ex-player, an ex-coach, an ex-executive, maybe an ex-referee, just just a, a wide range, or even even uh, including a current player? Like a a stewardess, a truck driver. Right, a rabbi, a priest... Let's see what happens when they stop start being real. Uh, real real world, real world NHL penalty committee, NHL discipline, NHL discipline committee. <laughs> Goosey was always in my peanut butter, eh? <laughs> I couldn't stop him. I don't know what Burke's a bit about. <laughs> He was up so late last night, watching, <laughs> eating donuts, eh? What's that about? Bertie's always writing in his notebook. Bert- 
It's got that stupid little pencil, eh? <laughs> Sometimes I want to just break it in half. <laughs> when we stop being real. What is it? What was the old, what was the tagline? When people stop being polite and start being That's real. It. Stop being stop being polite. <laughs> when when NHL disciplinarians are stop being polite and start being real. Of course I find him, eh? <laughs> Left his feet, him in the head. That's no good for the organization. <laughs> um, I think that's... You don't I, like that idea? <laughs> I, I love that idea. No, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm teasing because it just sounded like you were setting up a real world. But it, um, I love that idea. That's what it should be. It's too much on Brendan Shanahan. Poor it's Brendan not, Shanahan. Yeah. I, I, just, I just feel like there needs to be more of a voice than Poor Shanny. one person. Shanzy. Shanzy. <laughs> Poor Shanny. Um, I agree. And and I think the idea of having a current player on it, I don't know if that could work. In the playoffs, maybe, like a guy who's not playing. Not playing, yeah. Obviously. But during the regular season, obviously, you, you really couldn't have that because it'll be, it'd be difficult to keep it arbitrary. But I think that's a fantastic idea. And I think it should be uh, – because and, – and apparently, you know, Shanahan, he's not making these decisions uh, – by himself. He's not just like, five games, let him die. You know, he's not sitting up there in an ivory tower deciding on these things. He's obviously got the, you know, the NHL uh, Board of Governors. The NHL has a Board of Governors, don't they? Oh, yeah, every, every, yes, they do. Not every professional sport has that. No. They're not called the Board of Governors. No, that's true. Okay, it's a big thing. Yeah, I believe the NHL does have a board of governors. Could you imagine a board of governors in the NBA? Governors, O-U-R-S, of course. <laughs> That's right. Board of governors in the NBA. The NBA. It's <laughs> not called a board of governors for the NBA. No. Um, but there there should be, absolutely. I mean, again, he, he does have input into these decisions, but at the end of the day, he should, he sort of has to stamp them. Right. As his own and, and take the heat for them. And he's taken a lot of heat because these playoffs have been – you know, Simmons said it the other day on his podcast, and I was cracking up. He's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm worried at some point that, you know, there's going to be police on the ice. Like, it's just, it's gone from hockey to assault and battery. That's a good Simmons. And he's talking about Josh Freeman. Um, but it's, where is that line, Cal? Because the NHL is always trying to, really trying to make forays into, um, the four major sports, right? So they're 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 always the fourth major sport. Their ratings are the low in in the United States. Obviously in Canada they are the number one sport, right? Uh, unless the Grey Cup is on, but uh, <laughs> unless the Argonauts are playing, the but, Args, the Args. But um, are they too violent? And is it too much of an adult sport? Yeah, I don't think so. It's been watching hockey all our lives, right? We watched hockey as kids. We were lucky enough to have one of the greatest teams in the history of professional sports uh, to root for. We you know, what, watch them. It it wasn't too violent for us, right? Yeah, well, that's what's weird is that when we were growing up, and 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 maybe history is is proving to be kind to this statement, but when we were growing up. I didn't find it to be as violent as it is now from a gratuitous standpoint. You know, um, before, just before our 
coming of age with hockey. It went through a uh, it went through a period of time where it was real, like ultra violent. You know, yeah. in the late seventies was like you know Mike Milbury going over the glass in Boston. Right, and the Broad Street Bullies, and yeah, it was. I it mean, was, you had it was ridiculous. It was crazy. And then when we started watching hockey in the early eighties to mid eighties, it was it was violent. And there were more fights back then than there are now, but there were less bad hits. There were less attempts to knock somebody out of a game, you know. And I think what's happened now is that players are bigger and faster than they than they were, and especially when you get into the playoffs. And we've said it a million times: playoff hockey is probably the best sport to watch. But the reason why it's the best sport to watch is because of the intensity involved. And these guys just get carried away with the intensity of playoff hockey added to the fact that they're bigger and they're stronger and they're faster. And, and I think it's just a recipe for for more potential um, career-threatening injuries. I mean, look at the hit that Rafi Torres put on Hosa the other day. Yeah. Phoenix Coyotes and Chicago Blackhawks and 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 Rafi Torres ex Islander by the way mm-hmm. ex Islander farmhand. So you don't call him farmhands, do you? He played. He 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 had a cup of he had a cup of Joe. He had a cup of Joe. He had a cup of Tim Hortons with us. <laughs> um, he uh, but Rafi Torres the hit that he put on Hosa and and oh. the the Coyotes announcer was like, well, I don't see anything wrong. <laughs> Did you see that the Coyotes announcer was like, the, no, the yeah, no, of course not. The color guy for the Coyotes, uh, Rafi Torres plays for the Coyotes. The color guy for the Coyotes is like, yeah, I don't, I, I thought it was fine. Now, if you watch this hit, Rafi Torres leaves his feet, mm-hmm. uh, is away from the puck, hits him up high, shoulder to the head. Hosa had to be carted off on the, you know, the backboard and everything. Mm-hmm. It was just, a, it was a brutal intent to injure and take out of the game hit. Yeah. Like, Star player out of the game hit. I remember Cal. I'll never forget. I think I might have told you this before, but I'll say it again because it's it's appropriate. The Islander Ranger playoff series. Series. Which uh, one? Well, I'm saying all of them from that time. Okay. From those those 80s, uh, 70s, and 80s and stuff. Uh, uh, those were intense, intense. Uh, playoff series. I mean, that, well, that's they, they were they were very intense series. Well, the 1990 series was 1990 series with Vakoda and Baumgartner, and of course that was when the end of Game One and right. Lafontaine got knocked out. The right, Ranger right. fans once again classy, rocking the ambulance, rocking his ambulance. Right, Pat Lafontaine gets knocked out with a concussion. Right. Um, and as he's being taken away in the ambulance behind Madison Square Garden, the fans are rocking. The ambulance, so it can't leave. Literally shaking it, yeah. Literally shaking it. Now, you know, we 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 conveniently leave out the fact that Mick Vakoda beat up on the born again Christian Jeff Bloomberg. <laughs> yes, who, yes. Just who just turtled into into a ball and and Al Arbor put his goon line out on the ice at the end of game one. Yes, he with did. with about ten seconds left. So we also should mention that they're imbalanced. Either Vakoda or Baumgartner, when they were put back out on the ice with 10 seconds left in that game one, which the Islanders were losing. Right. And going to lose. And Al Arbor put his goon squad out there. 
that either B- Vakoda or Baumgartner was skating around. Like a shark. Like a shark. Uh-huh. That was Baumgartner. Before the puck was dropped. I think if I if I have this right, and I'm and I'll look it I'll look it up later to see if I got it right. Vakoda beat up Bloomberg. Yes. I think somebody killed Bukaboom. I think no, I don't think Bukaboom was there yet. Is it? Are you sure? In ninety, I don't know. I thought Baumgartner went after Chris King. Oh, Chris King. Boy, did I dislike him. And they fought. I mean, that was a legitimate yeah, fight. Yeah, that was a legitimate fight. And the one that I always remember, just because of the na- the names made it easy to remember, was Gary Nyland and Chris Nyland. And Chris Nyland. <laughs> I always remember they, they, they fought each other. The goalies might have even... think the goalies tangled. Yeah. A little bit. But um, and that, that was a fight. You know, that wasn't... This wasn't a... a, a I mean, it, it was precipitated by the hit by Patrick on, on LaFontaine, but it was a fight. And there were, and we saw a lot more fights back then than you do now. Yeah, and and what I was going to say was, too, is, you know, I have a memory of watching the local news uh, sportscast. Maybe it was Spencer Christian or somebody like that, one of those early sportscasters uh, on the local news. I think it was on ABC. I think it was Spencer Christian. He was on ABC. Yeah, he was on ABC. And uh, it might have been Len Berman, somebody like that on NBC. And uh, it was between games, and they were talking about the Islanders and Rangers at practice. And I think it had to be Len Berman because it's sort of his sense of humor. He said, I'm not saying that the game is going to be intense tomorrow night, but the teams were practicing dropping their gloves today in practice. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> they, they were practicing to see how fast they could get their gloves off and drop their gloves. Well, that's... Which I thought was a great line. But that, that seemed different to me than this. It was, and what it, these playoffs did. These playoffs seemed personal. It's well, but but personal in a different way because when they fought back then, that was intensely personal. Yeah, you know, and you really felt like these guys hated each other and wanted to beat the crap out of each other. But didn't you feel like the guys that fought in the playoffs were always goons, Bri? You didn't well, see uh, Rafi Torres the, is not a goon. Rafi Torres is not a goon, right? You know, he may be a dirty player. He's not a goon. He's not a fighter. You know, Jeff, Bo- uh, 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 Nick Vakoda and, and, and Baumgartner were goons. They were, they were goons. on the team to fight. Yeah. So them fighting in the playoffs with other guys that fight outside of outside of poor uh, <laughs> Jeff Bloomberg. Jeff Bloomberg. <laughs> you know, this this is this this are, these are like hits. Like Haglund's not a fighter. Haglund's never had a five minute major in his career. No, he's a he. Yeah. So what is he doing, skating across the ice, hitting a guy in the head and leaving tell- his feet? I'm t- I'm telling you, I think that they they just get wrapped up in in the intensity of, yeah. of and they can't control themselves. I I I that's fine. I just. But you know what? That's I I I. Think, it doesn't sell, Brian. That's I, the problem right now. I think that that's where the coaches come in. Yeah, I think the coaches have to. I mean, and it's hard. It's 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 not easy. That was tremendously uncharacteristic for for Arbor, by the way. That, I mean, I, I, that that particular instance. Not that we need to defend, you know, Al Arbor twenty two years later, but that yeah, was that, that was extraordinarily uncharacteristic for him to do that. He did that because Lafontaine got knocked out of that game, right? And uh, he wanted to set the tone for game two, but. I, don't you think, though, Bri, that the bigger problem here is that you can't sell this? 
because people will say the same thing that, you know, the cash, the, we're going to watch the hockey playoffs. We know how great they are and how intense they are and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, but the casual sports fan who maybe wants to watch, hey, what's going on with hockey? I hear it's great, and I hear the playoffs are really cool. Maybe I'll flip it on for a couple minutes. And then you have Rafi Torres de-skating a guy in mid-ice, knocking the, one of the best skilled players on the ice out of the game. It's not It's not good for the game. It's not. I know. You know I know. And, and, and then that person walks away and says the same thing they always say about hockey. Oh, you know, too much fighting. Too violent, but these aren't. But these aren't fights. I know. These are cheap shots, which are worse. I'd rather see a worse. fight. You're right. It's better when then, and that's the argument to keep fighting in the game. That's what the players say, right? Right. The players say if you eliminate fighting, you'll have hits like this every game. Mm-hmm. You'll have cheap shots like this every game because guys will be frustrated and they have no way to. No other way to, to, to do anything about it. Gentlemen. I mean, the the players always say keep fighting in the game, right? Yeah, they do. PJ, I think I think PJ is. PJ, uh, PJ. Are you guys aware yes. of the recent the recent hockey release uh, Goon? Uh, I've heard about this movie. Yeah, Sean William Scott. With Sean William Scott. I was, I was just and Liev Schreiber. And Liev Schreiber as the uh, yeah. the legend, the legendary Goon. Sean, Sean William Scott is the up and coming goon. I gotta say, it looks pretty funny. Well, do you do you think a movie like this romanticizes such notions? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. I, I think it's going to be a goof. And I mean, did Slapshot romanticize the fact? You know, Slapshot at the end. The point of Slapshot was to tell you how, and I'm sure this movie will do it too. Hey, whenever it's, we played. Ice hockey down at the bottom of our street. We played slap shot. Yeah, I, but slap we, we shot. We acted at, it out. Right, but okay. slap shot at the end. The message is how stupid the violence is. That's why he strips down and and uh, to you know strips down to naked and skates around the ice and people are disgusted. That's the irony. That's ironical. That's the ironical plot. That's ironical right. there. And and the the announcer for a slap shot is the best because this is disgusting. I hope you kids at home are not watching this. <laughs> that people are more, more appalled, that, that they're supposed to be more appalled by the fact that, you know, Ned is skating around naked than mm-hmm. they are by the guys beating the crap out of each other on the ice. Right. Well, that was lost on all the 11 year olds who went down and played hockey. Later not me. Yeah. Not me. That message was loud and clear in this little head. I'll tell you that much. Hey, just so you know, you were right. It was bomb. It was Baumgartner that was skating around like a shark. It was Bomber, right? Yeah. Nice. It was. Um, in that fight, you all Fitzpatrick and Richter did get into it. Nice. Uh, Trottier and Ron Greshner also tangled Damn. a little bit. Yeah, that was a dance though. Yeah. I mean, you might they they grabbed on hold grabbed hold of each other and did the merengue. That's not. PJ brings up a great point, though, about this goon movie. I was going to ask you about that, if you'd seen the trailer or whatever. I've seen the trailer. The trailer looked hilarious. It does. But at some point in this movie, do you not expect them to be like, yeah, by the way, fighting's bad? Or have him learn something? Right. You know, uh, it's got to be, right? He's got to learn something about hockey. 
Well, otherwise, the NHL is going to be like, oh, great. It's just what here we go again. Yeah. yeah. Just well, anyway, two steps forward, two steps back. Hey, has uh, has Curtis Grandison hit a uh, fourth home run yet tonight, Brian? Randy, can you look that up, Grandy man? Randy man, he had a big game. Uh, no, he did not hit uh, four home runs. He hit three in his first three at bats in the fourth inning. Uh, right. He did go five for five. Really. So he had uh, he had two other singles in addition to the three home runs. So the Grandy man uh, had a, had quite a game. He's, he's, Randy. Randy had a great game. What did Nooney do? Nooney played second base. You know he's got to be kidding with this. I'm sorry. This will, this will be our two minutes on Mike Francesa. He played second base, right? So badly that they had they Cano DH'd. They gave Cano a night off to DH. So even Tommy, they had to bring Cano into the game to play. They brought Cano into the game to to play second base, and they gave up the DH. Wow. I, I mean, the the, uh, the pitcher spot didn't come up to hit, but Nooney, they're putting him everywhere. Right. Nooney and Grandy and Gaudy. Yeah. They, uh, they, I just love how Mike Frances is the only person in New York in the sports media who's allowed to call these guys by their nicknames and not be considered a homer. Tex. Right. Andy, uh, Andy's coming back soon. And on the white horse. You know, here he comes. All right. Far away. And, and if you're going to say Tex, you're not going to take 100. You lost. 100 RBIs. You lost. Okay, Mike. Um, did they win that game, Brian? They won the game 7-6. Wow. So Phil Hughes uh, struggles again. Uh, let's talk Yankees while we're here. Okay. So now they are what six and six? They would the be seven and six. That puts seven them a game over five hundred. Yeah. yeah, they've. I mean, they've struggled a little bit. Uh, well, sure, but the the rotation has not looked good, Brian. I said it. You, yeah. darn it, I said it. You've been. You have been on the mark with a couple of things. You know why? Lundquist. When all your teams think. Yeah, I know. Yet, yet you remain the cockeyed optimist as a yep. Mets fan. That's right. Yeah, we're down by six. Maybe we can come back. Maybe you, we can battle. Do, <laughs> they did battle. That's the annoying thing about that game. Just a little bit. And then, they got down six-two. They made it six-four. Then you know they just, I, very then annoying. It all went to pot. That was an annoying game. I totally agree with you. They should have won eight to two. Or I lost eight to two. I would have right. been able to turn that off and just been able to go on with my day. But instead, right. they hung around just enough to. to nah. Yankees. Let's go back to the Yankees. Yes. With this rotation, are they going to have to make a major move at some point? I I think, you know, what's getting uh, sort of glossed over is Pineda is not in this rotation, and they counted on him being there. He's not in the rotation, and he's not really in the plan right now. Right. They're taking their time, bringing him back, and all this stuff. I mean, I, I... And, and you know, I'll be the first to admit that I blew this one. I had Pineda as their number two starter coming into the season. Well, I, but I think they did too, Bri. Well, they, <laughs> that's the problem. I think they, they were they may have counting been, on him doing that too. They may have been a little more judicious with their their plan than than, than me. Because, you know, when they made that trade, I thought, my God, they're going to slide this guy. He's a kid. I mean, he's 21 years old. He's six. He's like a monster. They're going to slide him in right behind CeCe. Um, then he came to camp overweight. He had the, he had the injury, and and 
growing pains with him because I still think that he's a big part of the Yankees' future. And, oh, sure. And that trade that, you know, everybody hates it now because it doesn't look great now. But I, I really think five years down the road, the Yankees are going to be happy with this deal. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, potentially, for sure. But I think they will be. You know, Andy Pettit seems to be have been their backup plan. Yeah, I mean that's that's what gets me. I mean, that's, that's what makes me think they were really. Yeah, I think you know, two three down the two three years down the road, I think there's a huge future for Michael Pineda. But I, I think they did not have a. I think they saw him as the two starter as well. Well, they had some depth. They had you know they had Freddie Garcia, and they had Hughes. Could have gone to the bullpen. Freddie Boom Boom Garcia. Right. Um, so so they, they had options, but then when Pineda didn't pan out, they were left very thin in that rotation. And right. now they're throwing out, you know, Kuroda has not uh, made the adjustment as smoothly as you had hoped already. Now, it's early. It's three starts. But he hasn't looked good. No. Hughes hasn't looked good. Garcia yeah, hasn't looked good. That's what I'm saying. That and and Sabathia hasn't looked good. Sabathia hasn't looked great. Nova's looked good. Nova's looked fine. Nova's you know? looked very solid. Nova Nova might actually be something. Nova's the two starter. He is. You're right. Uh, I I just don't know how you how you just you know you still pencil this team in for 93 or 95 wins with that rotation, Brian. Well, they're gonna hit. Yeah, great, but you know they still got a pitch. Yeah, but they, but they're gonna. Here's the thing with the Yankees and the way that they're built this year, they're gonna hit and they're gonna score enough runs. And tonight, and tonight was Exhibit A of Yankee 2012 thesis. Okay, they're gonna score enough runs to overcome any poor starting pitching, so that if you can get to the bullpen, their bullpen is gonna shut you down. They have got. A fantastic, I think, hands down the best bullpen in baseball. Wow, really? Yeah, I mean, in they, baseball, in baseball, American baseball, top to bottom, they are. I mean, all right. Here, let me get real quick. The four guys that pitch for them in the in the out of the bullpen today: Boone Logan, and it's again early, small sample size theater from our <laughs> friends over at Mostly Match. Yes, check out Mostly Mets podcast. Did you hear the song? I oh, did. Very, very good. Yeah, um, I had to give him a shout out. Boone Logan pitched. He's got a 1.23 ERA. Raphael Soriano, 1.8. Uh, David Robertson hasn't given up a run yet this year. And then Rivera, who's actually been the worst of the bunch, saved the game. So we all, we all know that'll continue. So I just I think as as much as you don't like to hear this, with your Met hat on. <laughs> Why are you taking shots at me? No, I'm not taking. I'm not taking shots because we look. We 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 don't like to give them credit too often. I give them a tremendous amount of credit. I just think the rotation stinks. But we don't like to. No, we don't. We don't enjoy it. That's the point. I think that I agree with you. The rotation leaves a lot to be desired. I think waiting on a 40 year old Andy Pettit to come in and save the day is is uh, you know might be a little fool's gold. As yeah. they say. Um, but the way that they have built this team is they're going to hit. And if they hit, 
They're going to overcome the poor starting pitching, and if you can get to the if you can get to even the sixth inning today, they they, they you know Hughes pitched into the sixth inning. If you can get to just the sixth inning, they they have a number of arms out there that are going to shut you down. Yeah, and that's how they're going to win this year. They they're going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to. They could they could have a team ERA of like. You know, five and still win ninety games. They could, and I'll throw it back at you. Do you think that they're going to make it? I mean, they're bringing Pettit in. Do you think that they're going to look to make another big move later on in the season for a, like a legitimate number two starter? They're going to have to see. That's that's my whole that's my whole point. They either that or you know the killer bees. Somebody's going to have to come up because. I I just don't see the way they're constituted in that starting rotation right now. If you're telling me those five guys, and and even with Pettit as the sixth, the forty year old Andy Pettit, they're not going wire to wire and winning ninety five games with those guys. I'm sorry, they're not. Yeah, not in that division this year. No, no, certainly not. They're not going ninety five games, and uh, they're not going with that that five wire to wire and winning ninety five games. So they better make a move, or they better have Pineda come back in June, you know, June 1, all refreshed and nice, and have that be like the trade they made. And, yeah, well, that could be that, that could be their move. That, right. That's, that's uh, as they famously used to say around the Mets when people were injured, that's going to be like getting an all-star back. Right. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to make a trade. We're, we're getting, getting one of our injured players back. That's we're getting like, Carlos Beltran and Jose Reyes at the deadline. It's like, it's like getting it. It's like trading for an all star. What other teams are getting those kind of guys back at the deadline? No one. We're sitting pretty. Yeah. Uh, speaking of sitting pretty, started four and zero, and now the Mets have are three and five in their last eight. Uh, since then, which team is it, Bry? Which team is it? I, 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 or are they in the middle? Are they a 500 team? I, well, I fear that they're the three and five team, but the reason why they went three and five was because of bad pitching. So bad starting pitching, bad starting pitching. So just like the Yankees, but, but the, but the difference is that the Mets bullpen is not as good as the Yankees bullpen. And the thing with the Mets bullpen is as good as it's been, as good as it's been, they've been used a lot in the first two weeks. Yeah. I feel like, they were only I, – I can't get nuts about them giving up, you know, 14 runs or whatever to the Braves. I feel like the only time they've been bad, quote-unquote, this bullpen, is in that 2-1 to one game with the Phillies. I really don't think they've been bad in those – I mean, those other games are blowouts. You know, I mean, by the time they, they got to the – by the time they went to the bullpen in that Met-Brave game, it was already like 6 nothing or 6-2 or whatever, 6-3. You know, but the, it, was, well, the it, was a, it was a hit parade anyway. Well, that night the bullpen actually pitched okay. That was the Santana game. Right. They got they got some good they got some good work out of the bullpen in that game. It was the next day. Right. The, the game. But they had to be used a ton in the Santana game, and then you got to use them the next right, day. Right. But that's but that's my point is that and that game's a, but that game's a blowout anyway, Bry. I, I I can't kill the bullpen except for the the Phillies the Pelfrey game the two to one game with the Phillies. Right. I think this team is still better than advertised. I think they're finding out what they need to find out. They're finding out if Lucas Duda can hit uh, on an everyday basis. They're finding out what Ike Davis looks like for a full season, which they've never done. 
uh, and he's starting to get hot. They're, they're finding out if they need to give David Wright an extension. Uh, they're finding out that Kirk Neuenheis might be a player uh, and might be a guy that you want to give regular at-bats to. They're finding out that Ruben Tejada's playing. You know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And they're 7-5. and five. You know, they're 7-5. and five. If you would have told me 7-5 and five after 12 games, all against the NL East, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks, schedule makers. Um, I would have signed for that. I would have too. And right now the Nationals are running away with it, so it doesn't make a difference. That's right. Nationals are going to run away and hide. That's that's right. Um, they are good, but I still, that lineup still is questionable at best. Their their um their bullpen is a lot better than I expected. Their bullpen that might be the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah, it's close without the Storin kid. It's close. What do you think? What do you take out of? Uh, we, we will have plenty of time to talk about the Mets and their foibles. Um, I will say that I will say that uh, the much the much ado about the Reyes. I mean, really, we're still doing this. Oh, let's let's talk about that. I've been dying to I've been dying to weigh in on um, uh, how, how, how yeah right video gate video tribute gate. I mean, come but, on. What's the big deal? What is the deal with that? The big deal is that they're the Mets, Brian, period. Right? But how come nobody made a big deal when they did this for Mike Piazza? Because Piazza didn't choose to leave. And no? Piazza had a – these were the two arguments that I heard and, and, and that Mike Francesa spent a day on, a day taking calls of what was Jose – Jose Reyes doesn't have a signature moment, Bry. As a Met. He doesn't have a signature moment as – well, that was the only team he's played for. I know. career, until this year. Obviously. He doesn't have a signature moment. What's his signature moment? So why you get – you know, Piazza had a signature moment. Even Todd Pratt had a signature moment. Oh, please. Which is why they did a video uh, tribute to Todd Pratt, which they did. They did. They did one for Turk Wendell. Right. That was the Mets answer. The Mets answer was like, we do this for everybody. Right. So the two arguments were he never had a signature moment as a Met. Let's leave out the 360 stolen bases he had in nine years or the 99 triples or the 292 average, okay, or the 100 home runs. Let's leave that out. Okay? Let's leave that out. That doesn't count. Let's leave out that he's the all-time leader in hits as a Met. Okay, let's leave out that he won a batting title. Let's leave out that he finished seventh, uh, sixth, seventh, twelfth for the MVP as a shortstop. Let's leave out the fact that he had a season that no one had had with extra bases in a hundred years. A hundred years, no one had had as many doubles, triples, and home runs as he had in one season. Let's leave that out. No one had done it since Ty friggin' Cobb. Okay? Now, so forget all that. Forget about setting the record, the team record for stolen bases. Forget about having the most stolen bases in National League for the last nine years. Right? He doesn't have a signature moment. Okay? Well, you know, he's right. Yeah. He's right. All, all, everything that you just spent the last... 90 seconds talking about, throw it out the window because give me his signature moment. That's right. 
Give me the one moment that stands out in your mind. Go. Jose Reyes. One moment. What is it? Easy. What I have it? I have two. Give them to me. Game six of the NLCS. He was three for four with a stolen base, with two stolen bases, a home run, and he single-handedly won the game. Game, six, game six of the NLCS? That's right. Mets down three games to two, needing must-win game. He had a good game. He was three for four with a home run, two stolen bases. He may have even had a triple in there. Okay, and I, I could think of a million of them. My other favorite one is that play against the Yankees last year to end the game. That play up the middle, that diving play up the middle. Uh-huh, yeah. On a, I guess it was against A-Rod, right? I think it might have been. And he makes that play up the middle, and he pumps his fist, and he goes nuts. I mean, the, the guy played for them for nine years. Mm-hmm. I, I, he had plenty of signature moments. How about any time he hit a ball in the gap and went from home plate to third base? How about that? Faster than anybody I'd ever seen do it. How about that? How about the time he went on the DL with the strained hamstring? Yes. How about that as a signature right. moment, right? right? How about Jose Reyes' bobblehead day and they put a bandage on his neck? That would be appropriate. Yeah. It's so idiotic. Here's the, here's the thing. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. He's arguably you, the best what, position player. Arguably. arguably. Whether you like him or not, whether you like the fact that he that he he had to leave and he didn't leave on his own terms or whatever happened with the finances in the off season, I don't care. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. He played with them for nine years. He deserves an acknowledgement. They're not wheeling out a bust of him and putting him in the Met Hall of Fame on Tuesday night. It's not right? Jose Reyes Day. You know they're no. not. They're not giving out Jose Reyes Marlins hats or whatever, <laughs> T-shirts, to all the Met fans. All right? First 25000 get a Jose Reyes Marlins T-shirt. Right. They're not doing that. All right? They're acknowledging the fact that one of the greatest players in their that history ever, that ever played in your history. Now, let's, you know... Let's let's keep that in one hand while on the other hand we talk to those same people that complain that the Mets don't acknowledge their history. All right? They're going to show a video tribute. They're going to give Reyes an opportunity to soak in some cheers from the fans. That's right. All right? He's going to tip his cap. Everybody's going to go Jose Jose Jose, you know? And it's going to be a, it's going to be a nice moment and then it will be done. And he will be a Marlin. And he will be the villain. And I'm sure by the end of this season, everybody's going to hate him. Because he's going to hit a triple against us. And he's going to hate him by the end of the game. They could have, they could yeah, by the end of the season. By Tuesday. And that's fine. And that's the way it should go. Two things drove me crazy here. Crazy pants. One, 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 one was, like you just said, he's the best... You know, arguably the best position player in the history of the franchise, homegrown too. Right. And then that got made fun of. Well, I mean, it is the Mets' history. That's not hard. That's what Francesca said. Right. Right. That's nothing to beat your chest about. That's good. That's nice. having the most hits in Mets franchise history. Because right. let's face it, that's not. I mean, it's not, you're not like you're talking about Yankee history. Right. You're a joke. You're a joke of a franchise. So if you're the right. best on the joke, then that makes that's sense. That's right. 
That's right. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, there's been a lot. I love how he lays claim, and Yankee fans do this all the time. And I'm sorry, I gotta say this. I, I got into it the other day with uh, uh, a kid who's a uh, a kid. I, keep in mind, he's like 23, 23. <laughs> and he's a huge Ranger fan, and he's ragging on me about the Islanders and saying, "Yeah, you know, you're home watching him, blah 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 blah." And I'm like, "Look, four straight Stanley Cup, five straight trips." 19 straight playoff series won, the most in the history of professional sports. Oh, you're living in the past and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, uh, I wasn't even alive then. I'm like, well, I was, and I got to watch them. (laughs) I don't care if you were alive or not. Uh, And by your rationale, and I said this to him and he had no answer. And that is, okay, well, by your rationale, uh, 22 of your 27 Yankee championships don't count for you. You weren't alive for them. Yet I, I continue to hear you tell me that the Yankees have 27 World Series. Well, you weren't alive for 22 of them. Do they count? Can you talk about them? Can you lay claim to them as a fan? I think you can. Kid's a Giant fan, too. I said, hey, you weren't alive in 86. Guess you don't get that one. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to hear you talk about the 86 Giants. You weren't there. I said, and really, you were only about five years old when they won in 90. So, you know, you probably don't remember that. So you don't get that one either. No answer. Stutter. No, well, yeah, at that point. <laughs> but it's true. Like, you, 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 you can't, you know, I love how Francesa lays claim to the 1923 Yankees. <laughs> and, the, and their rich history. Did you see Babe Ruth play? No, but I saw Mickey Mantle play. I saw Mickey. Oh, Cal, I wish I could have called. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my head almost exploded. He was going off about how Jose Reyes is not a great player. He's never been a great player. Like, the guy called up and was like, he's a great player, Mike. No, he's not. Maybe he's a great Met, but that's not saying a lot. That was his exact line. Uh. And his rationale that Jose Reyes, Jose Reyes, five-time All-Star, 360 stolen bases in nine years, and two of those years he didn't play full seasons. Okay? A hundred triples in his career. A hundred triples. Okay? Again, had had two seasons that no one had done in a hundred years with 20 triples, at least uh, 15 home runs, 60 stolen bases. Ty Cobb had those years. And his, his argument that he's not a great player is that he's not a 300 hitter. <laughs> he's a singles hitter. Oh, oh, is that what he is? He's a singles hitter. With his 100 triples. He's a singles hitter. 100, and 262 doubles, by the right. way. Right. No, just a singles hitter, though. Ah. Right. He averages, he averaged, I think it was like at least 25 or 30 doubles. He may even have more than that. Like, I think for full season, he averages 30 doubles a year. Right. That's uh, okay. So, <laughs> 200 hits, and I wanted to, I was screaming, Cal, you know who else wasn't a 300 hitter? Mickey, Mickey Mantle. Mantle. That's right. 298. He wasn't? Is that really what he was? 298. No kidding. 298. Wow. Well, guess that's... he's not a great player. I, I guess not. If that's your qualification. Hey, you want to, you want to, just real quick, just, just for kicks. This is funny. Um, Jose Reyes is 162-game average. Mm-hmm. So you extrapolate it out to 162-game season, 
which of course he never played because he's always hurt. Always hurt. Other than the four years that he did that. But that's right, okay. right. Um, here you go, ready? Singles hitter, right? The singles hitter. Averages 12 home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, 34 doubles. Right, 34 doubles. <laughs> right. 15 triples. That's right. 15 yeah. triples. People, you know, guys hit five in a year if they're lucky. So a quarter of his hits in a 200-hit season were extra base hits. Right, and 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 in a 162-game season, he averages 200 hits. Right. He's not a great, not a great player, though. Right. So for yeah, a quarter of his hits are not singles. He said he said he's not even a 300 hitter. He's screaming and yelling, Bry. He's a 292 career hitter. 291, yeah. Well, 291 right now with the Marlins. Right. But as as a Met. As a Met, he, he was 292. He had a 292 career average. That's right. He made it sound as if he was at 255. His slugging percentage was 440. Singles hitter. What singles hitter has a slugging percentage of 440? Ridiculous. What singles hitter? Let's anyway. Sorry. We, boy, Ichiro. We took, yeah. We took the we took the podcast in another direction here, but we had to because this is what the people were talking about all week with the Mets. There's got to be something to be upset about. They're giving Jose Reyes a day. They're not giving him a day. They're not giving him a day. You know who else they're not giving a day to? Chipper Jones. Exactly. You you feel a little bit differently about that, though, right? But they're just doing something classy, that's all. Just be classy. And again, the Mets, who never do anything classy, ever, are finally doing something classy and still getting ripped for it. And they get killed for it. It's so stupid. I've had, I have. I really have no problem with the Chipper Jones thing either. And and you still hate him. I don't even hate him anymore. I I, I he's like a lovable old grandfather to me now. <laughs> like he's like a lovable old uh, you know old ball player. Tell me stories about the day when John Rocker was getting batteries thrown at him. Like the good old days. You know when Ryan Kleska was doing steroids. <laughs> or Remember those days. Good steroids too, not the cheap stuff. No, no, no. This was this was the good stuff. That, that was uh, the injection stuff. Yeah. When when Sid Bream was coming around first base, coming around third. Um, hey, uh, we're gonna get to the fun load in a couple of minutes, and we I would love to try to call Dan. Do you think we try to call him? It's kind of late. You think he's up? Dan's up. What's call Dan? Him. What could Dan be doing? Uh, I don't know. But before call we him. before we do, how do you think Bobby Valentine's liking Boston? <laughs> Uh, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> he is totally Job right now. Yeah. Totally Job. Like, how many times has he gone arrested development on that? <laughs> He's probably just standing there scratching his head like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. What have I done? <laughs> Somebody said to me today, I think one of my buddies at work, Howie, who's a big, big Yankee fan, but you know, we've talked to Howie. He's been on the show years ago, big Jet fan, big Islander fan. Howie's great. And he, uh, we were laughing about, you know, what he said about Eucalyptus and stuff. And there was a great article in the paper today about how he was maybe surprised that, like, it became a big deal. Like, he described it as, like, a check swing. Right. Like, you don't get a second – you don't get to argue a check swing. And uh, how he goes, uh, I feel sort of bad for him. And I'm like, well, he invented the game of baseball. He's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's true. He did invent the game. So – He's got that going for him. Listen, and nice. I, I, I happen to love Bobby Valentine. I, I love him. He's my he he over Davey Johnson was my favorite Met manager. Yep. Um, 
he's he's he certainly has stepped in it up in Boston. My favorite part about this whole situation that transpired was he makes this comment about Euclid. Now, whether he was, you know, there's some theories about he floated it out there to test Euclid in the right. team. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just Bobby Valentine just saying what came to his mind, and he didn't really have a, an ulterior motive. But he had to be shocked when all of a sudden Dustin Pedroia steps up. Right. And says, hey, wait a minute, buddy. We don't do that here. All right? This is Boston. I mean, can it get any more fun right now? <laughs> He's just like, well, I, you know, I, yeah, no offense. I, yeah. I didn't mean any offense. That, and he completely backed down from it. Completely backed down to it. And he, he said something I found super interesting too, which was I, I have this – and knowing Bobby V as we do as Met fans, we know this is not the case. But I have this sort of picture of him like, you know, like my bad, you know, like this sort of cowering figure. And he's never been that guy. And right now, like after Pedroia said that, he was like – Right, Eek, my bad guy. Sorry. Right, you, like you could see him kind of like tiptoeing out of the room. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe I should have said that. <laughs> and he just kind of like backs out. That might be the best part about uh, Bobby Valentine being back in baseball is your imitation, is you being able to do your Bobby Valentine again. Bobby V. Did you, did you, hear, did, you do a great Bobby V. Did you hear him the other day when they lost eighteen to three? Yeah. They asked him about the game. And, well, Sweeney's swinging that well. And that was it. <laughs> That's all he had to say about eighteen to three. I mean, what could you say? His dad. His ace got hit for got pounded for ten runs in two innings. Oh, it's a mess. But 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 but, but here's the you know, last question on this. It's a mess, but they've won two World Series in the last however many years. What is it now? Eight, eight years. years. Two yeah. in the last eight years. Should they be freaking out about this? Or I, I guess from from a Met fan standpoint, it's really hard to put myself in their shoes. But like, if I feel like if I had won two championships in the last eight years, I probably wouldn't have been so quick to run the previous guy out of town. But the, right, and then and then and then have management plant stories about him, you know, <laughs> <laughs> having affairs and popping pills. And and also, I you know, whatever happens, kind of happens. It's they're crazy pants up there, Cal. Are they are? Lunatic. They really are. I know. I mean, they're they're. It's a different. It's a different deal. I think Bobby's like he's like, oh, I was in New York. What could go wrong? <laughs> like, I could handle the media. He had like no idea. Like the fact that he was doing a show in New York. Yeah, as Yankee or as Red Sox manager. He was like, I, what's the big deal? What's the problem? And the Red Sox like nation, <laughs> Red Sox nation is like, he does. He's like halfway between Kermit the Frog. That's probably your best instant impression. Yeah, he's. I don't know. I. <laughs> he's like. It, it's definitely Muppet like. It is Muppet like. I, I find, said, we always said that when he was manager of the Mets. Yeah, I know. I find that when I try to entertain my kids. With my Muppet voice, I kind of slip into Bobby Valentine. They don't know. Do you do you like get mad at them for bunting or? <laughs> <laughs> Is that I had forgotten all about? You know, Heyman was on. John Heyman was on uh, with Francesa in that uh, love fest, and oh, uh, just God. two guys just completely stroking each other on the I air like about the how handles for that show. Right. You know, <laughs> bring out a nice bottle of Chianti. What's that music you're playing, Mike? That's uh, it's a little Yanni. Okay. 
Hey, Ray, can you bring the grapes in here? So, Yanni, okay. That's exactly it. Is our next segment with uh, John Heyman. John, the great, the great John Heyman. The great John. John, you look good. Gotta say, you look good. Okay. <laughs> um, but Heyman said uh, he'd brought up the Todd Hunley thing, and I had forgotten about that. <sighs> when he did, wasn't getting enough sleep. He said Todd Hunley wasn't getting enough sleep, and Heyman <laughs> said, "You know what? At the time, I ripped Bobby V, and I feel badly about it to this day because he was right. Hunley was out on the town and." Was having a good time and mm-hmm. needed to like kind of go home, and that was Bobby's way of trying to get him to stop with the nightlife, you know, right. or whatever. But at the time, Heyman ripped him for it or whatever, and Heyman said, "I still feel bad to this day." Hey, John, <laughs> let it go. Yeah, I'm sure Bobby's over it. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't even realize. Yeah, I'm sure Bobby's let it go. I'm sure, he's not still mad at you. But uh, oh, it's, it's fun times. Let's try to call Dan. Let's do this. Give him a call. Let's see. Let me make sure I got the number right. Do you have his number? I do. Wow, great music. How do you... <laughs> is producing this show tonight. Well done. Hello? Hey, uh, can we speak to Dan, please? Yes, Hello. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome, Nello. Hello, Nelski. Good to uh, good to be here. We uh, we figured we'd give you a call. We're just about to do the fun load here, and uh, it's been a rollicking show uh, so far. Uh, let's welcome back to the podcast, everybody, Nello. It's uh, it's good to be back. I'm a little under the weather, so uh, <laughs> my uh, my my golden radio voice is, is not quite there tonight. <laughs> or probably most nights. I hope it's not too late either. I was a little concerned about the about the time of night that we were calling you. <laughs> as long as we don't wake the kids up, we'll be fine. No, I, we'll be we'll be quiet. I said, what could Nello possibly be doing? And by kids, you're talking about whoever you're dating right now, right? Hey, <laughs> oh, no. hey. good stuff. Good stuff. RT, RT, we've decided that anything uh, we do on the podcast after 11, Dan, is now called RTU Pants Optional. <laughs> so take them down. Sitting, gentlemen, sitting. Uh, I will be wearing a cod piece. Nice. <laughs> per usual, man. Uh, so uh, the fun load, Dan. We wanted to talk about this. This idea that uh, we were just talking about Bobby V. By the way, anything you want to throw out there? Uh, so far, it looks like it's going to be a volatile combination, Bobby V. and Boston, and uh, it's going to be really entertaining, though. <laughs> did you? Did you? And they, of course, they play the Yankees this weekend. Uh, the the Red Sox come in limping. Limping, and, uh, absolutely. Fractured. Uh, but uh, what are your expectations for this uh, this Yankee Red Sox rivalry now with Bobby V maybe being fired before Memorial Day? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it it adds a new twist. I think it's a, it's a it adds a really welcome twist because he's a familiar face and a familiar voice, and uh, any injection of life into the. Uh, Rivalry is good. A new player that comes on board, a new manager to be part of uh, of the rivalry, I think, 
just adds an, a new wrinkle and gives it some new energy. So I really welcome it, actually. Listen, listen, Dan, this is this weekend they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of Fenway Park. What um, what are the odds that Bobby Valentine disparages Babe Ruth somehow this weekend? <laughs> I think there's a better chance he disparages Ted Williams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's a good plan in Boston. <laughs> you know, you know. You know who sucked. He, it was tremendously this overrated. Is, yeah, I mean, this is where ego and student of the game start clashing. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know who's overrated? That Nelly Fox. <laughs> that guy was overrated. I'm going to test this town. Watch what you I know, do. I re- yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, Dustin Pedroia's very sassy comments about about uh, Valentine. <laughs> Maybe that works in Japan. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. I mean, what was the over under on that being stewed in the clubhouse? I mean, <laughs> I hope it was it was two weeks. A lot of people like won I, the under there. I feel like he had that line all queued up too. He was just waiting for Bobby Valentine to do something. You're right. right. There was almost yes. There was like a faint smirk across his face, like, oh, it happened already. I got to use it. <laughs> right. I can't wait to drop this Japan line. I'm totally going to use that. They were talking about... I think... Yes, I... <laughs> they were talking about Dan, and I love this. Like, I, It might have been Heyman. It might have been John Heyman, but somebody was saying about... Uh, there's this huge feeling out period going on right now in the Red Sox locker room. Like, this is a baseball team. Like they're talking about like what Valentine can get away with saying and like the players are sort of feeling Bobby V out and it's it's you know, you've heard this reputation that he's this, this and this, but you don't know what you're gonna get. It's a baseball team. Right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm totally with you in that in that that seems overblown, but but look already, I mean here Bobby V like shows a very strange thing to say to the media. Yeah. You know, on a guy who's beloved in the locker room, and you know, so far that that sort of uh, worry has has really actually rung true. So he he seems more of a loose cannon now than than I remember him as a mess fan. I mean, what what do you guys think? First of all, of that, and second, as a, as as people who knew him well, uh, what do you think that means to the rivalry? I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I look, Cal and I, I think both un, unanimously or uh, unilaterally love the guy. Like, I, I've wanted the Mets to bring him back. I, I would take him back as my manager any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Because he, as as arrogant as he is, he's tremendously entertaining. And also, he got, you know, he got a team to the World Series with Benny Agbayani, Jay Payton, and Timo Perez as his outfield. I mean, the, the, the guy's the kind of good manager now. But I, my my biggest take on this, and maybe Cal, you have thought of this too, is that like, what has his time in Japan? <laughs> now, I don't want to make it sound like he went off to the war, but what has his time in Japan like done to him? <laughs> well, remember, remember this: he's like a national icon in Japan. He could say or do pretty much anything over there, short of defecating on the on the statue of Sadahara O. Oh. <laughs> Which he did one night, by the way. I think he tried he that too. He it, yeah. Right. He wanted to see if he could get away with it. But I think he—I don't think he's off his rocker right now. This is kind of how he was back then, too. Yeah, he's—he's he's definitely, you know. I, I just wonder. 
and somebody brought this up in one of the articles, and it was the first time I had sort of seen this angle. But the idea of having dealt with Japanese players and that mentality for a you know a long time now. He's, what he's been he had been in Japan for like six years before he went to ESPN, right? Seven years, at least. Yeah, right. I think it was that long. That's a very different mentality. <laughs> you know, the game is played differently there. You know, I don't know if he reinvented it there. He did. He <laughs> he's credited with the invention of Japanese baseball. That's right. Well, he reinvented it. That was a that was a reboot. Oh, right. That's true. Um, uh, that was that was uh, baseball part due. Right, because he was there in the '90s also when he invented it. <laughs> and he then he, to, he had to come back and reinvent. It. He went back and reinvented it. Yeah. Do you think he calls Tony Larusa before he starts doing some of this? I'm like, hey, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of making some changes. Him and McCarver, they they get together on a conference call, the three of them. <laughs> and they just run it, but you know, they run it by each other. Dan, we we of course have uh, that theory that Tim McCarver, Tony Larusa, and Bobby Valentine get together in a uh, ski chalet in Connecticut <laughs> to discuss the three uh, horsemen. That's right, to, to discuss how they're going to reinvent the game of baseball every five years or so. Um, well, you know, they, uh, they also conjure the spirit of Bartlett Giamatti. <laughs> well, there, there's a big picture of him at the head of the table that they kind of <laughs> respects to. You know he also invented the wrap, Bobby Valentine. He invented the what? The wrap. The wrap sandwich. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> I actually, we, you know what, Dan and I have a very funny story about the rap. Song. Yeah, we we go a long way back to the rap, to the beginning of the rap. Oh, okay. Uh, we had a buddy that had a place up in Cape Cod, right? After college, it was a buddy of mine from college, had a place up there. <laughs> I can't believe you brought this up with Nello on the show. Got to tell the story. And then we're we're not going to get to the fun load. We'll bring PJ in here to talk about wrap sandwiches in a minute. But well, we'll get we'll get Dan when he's feeling better to do the fun load. Yeah. But just so my buddy, a buddy of mine, Dan, uh, another Dan Gosley, had a place up in Cape Cod. He was from uh, up in Massachusetts, and his parents had like a summer house there. And he invited us up, uh, a bunch of us, you know, uh, to take a trip up for Fourth of July. So we drove up there. This was what was this? Right after college, Dan. Yeah, about 97. Right. So we, we, it was me, Dan, and K-Mac drove up there. Uh-huh. Our buddy Kev. Who's going to join us next week, by the way, for the draft show, Cal? Oh, good. And uh, we drove up there. Had a great time at the house. You know, did all the things that, you know, uh, adult beverages. We went fishing. We had a, a – <laughs> my buddy's cousin was with us, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy turned out to be sort of a special character. But anyway, they had this uh, shop that had these things called wrap sandwiches. We had never seen one before. Never never seen anything like it. <laughs> and it was like a little sandwich shop, like up in Cape Cod. And we were there at least 15 times over the course of a weekend. We just kept going back. We had never we kept seen going. them. We could like not get enough of this place. Of a wrap I think sandwich. that they may not have called them wraps there. They may have called them rolls, rolls, rolls. or something. I don't know. It was what would become a roll witch. They may have said roll witch. I don't know. Roll witch. That may have even been the name of the joint, Dan. Roll witch. It might have been like roll witches or something like that. They weren't even called wraps yet, Cal. I'm telling you, we way were ahead of their time. There, we were through the sandwich looking glass. It was ridiculous. Wow. 
And I'll never. <laughs> those, those raps were so much better than any rap I've ever had since. <laughs> totally agree. We went back the next summer, and we could not wait to get to this place. Could not wait. Like we stopped. We stopped there immediately the next summer, on our way up. But the best, my favorite, Dan. You may remember this. <laughs> we the first year we went up, we went in two separate cars, right? So I had my car, and you had your car because we had to go back earlier, and you hung around for a bit. Yes. <laughs> and I, I spoke to you like two days later when we got back, and you were, and you, were, and you were like, uh, I was a little late getting out of town, had to stop and get one more damn sandwich. <laughs> I was like, you did? He's like, of course I did. I stopped to get one more wrap. I couldn't get I, out of town. I, I actually would, I, I actually remember I spent one extra full day there, mostly because my car broke down. And it had to get fixed. It took an entire 24 hours. I lived in uh, in uh, Dan's house by myself for a day, waiting right. for the car to be fixed. And as soon as I got the car fixed on the way home, I stopped by Rollwich. Right. <laughs> it was not in walking distance. Right. And and the way you said it to me, you're like, of course I did. Like, what are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, it took me a little longer to get home than I thought. I had to stop and get another Rollwich. That's great. Uh, so they, I think those. That's where the role which was invented. PJ, hi. <laughs> Say hi, Dan. No, he doesn't have to. Okay. Peach, <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the wrap sandwich? I'm more partial to the panini. Oh, you see, you see. He's got to get all European on us. Yeah, exactly. Right. Why are you Euro trash? The panini. Get out of here with your. Pa- That's not even a sandwich. Well, I, I got I got into that from the from the Cuban sandwich. I used that, to go to this. That, that's what a panini is. It's a Cuban sandwich. Wow. Have you ever had a panini that's actually made between two fiery hot bricks? <laughs> I went to a place in. That doesn't I went to a sound place good in Jersey all. City that was no, the place was totally old school, and they were like, "Do you want the Cuban?" I said, "Okay, let's try the Cuban." And they made a traditional Cuban sandwich, and the way that they made it was not in a panini press. The guy had a brick, and he had another brick in the oven, and he put the sandwich between the two bricks and shut the oven. <laughs> That's tremendous. Are these euphemisms, PJ? <laughs> <laughs> this this is a hundred percent true. I and think I love wraps. I love wraps. I had a wrap right. for lunch today. We were there at the uh, the induction of the wrap. No, the inception of the wrap. Inducement. I don't remember PJ being there, Steve. No, you and I. You and I, Dan. I, yes. I no, I'm just claim. I wanted to claim that that PJ was not there. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure everybody knew PJ was not there. It's what, what it's going to say on my uh, on my gravestone is never a witness to history. <laughs> but that's one of those things where you know there were like five people there at the time, but over time there have now 250 people <laughs> were right. there. That's right. Everybody was there. It's going to be like the Lenny Bruce at Carnegie Hall show. Like everybody, everybody was there that night. Yeah, you know, I somehow. was in Buffalo the night the guy brought out the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Uh, Dan, perhaps that would be a great. Uh, uh, by the way, fun load in the future. Uh, best sports foods. Not sure Fun if you've done that. Fun of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Fun load of the future. 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 Hey Dan, uh, uh, 
so we won't get into the super huge fun load. We'll save that for another night, which uh, was – I That sounds disgusting, by the way, Steve. <laughs> the super, super huge fun the super load. Huge that is not fun a, load. <laughs> <laughs> I have that porn movie, I think, somewhere. Um, downloaded that by mistake. Yeah. Um, but we talked a lot about hockey tonight, Dan, and I wanted to get yeah. uh, your uh, opine. Um, is hockey – uh, too violent, Dan? Can it ever uh, sort of become mainstream in the United States? Uh, because the, the the playoffs are fantastic to watch, but you know, you you consider yourself a casual hockey fan. If it's on right now, would you stay tuned into a game? Uh, you're catching me at the right time because I was thinking about why is it that most years I'm more excited about the NFL schedule coming out than the NFL than the NHL playoffs. <laughs> and this is the first year in many years that I was m- much more happy to follow what was going on in the playoffs than to pay attention to the silly schedule release. And um I don't really think that the violence has very much to do with the uh, lack of popularity. I think it's easy to cite that, but you know, it's wildly popular in Canada, obviously, um, despite the violence. We're, we're we're the same culture, basically. Um, so I don't I don't see violence as the issue. Uh, it really somehow took a back seat uh, for the country and many of us. I don't know, maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. But there's no doubt that I mean, the playoff hockey is intense. It's great, great sports watching, and. Um, you know, it, it may be making a little comeback in my life, and maybe I'm just reflecting uh, um, hockey making a bit of a comeback with, with the more casual fans. I think it definitely is because the ratings have been good. I mean, I think they've been better. And, of course, you have the Rangers as a uh, – you have a number of American teams as major players here. I mean, you have, uh, you have the Rangers, you have the Penguins, you have the Flyers, you have the Kings – uh, maybe eliminating yeah. Vancouver. So you have a number of American teams making a major play. So that certainly helps. My, uh, what we were talking about, and I think you're spot on. I think you're right. I don't. I think what what we were sort of surprised at is the, is not the violence out of the goon. You know, you expect that. What what we're seeing in these playoffs is sort of the 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 violence out. You know, the 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 hit that's meant to take a guy out of the game. You know, and that's maybe not by a goon. You know, like the hit that Haglin laid on Alfredson, or the hit that Rafi Torres laid on uh, uh, Hosa. You know, the, these t- these seem to be hits just designed. They don't seem to be part of the game. You know. Well, I, um, I think fighting is part of the game. <laughs> well, I see what you're saying, but you know, the fighting evolved. The fighting evolved into the uh, the. Uh, the the goon um uh how should you say uh, uh culture uh you know th- that's how that's how it evolved to protect the finesse players and the stars now i don't i don't profess to be a hockey historian but i'm not sure if it was quite like that in the 60s 70s or even 80s uh so maybe we're seeing more of a revival then perhaps Cal can uh, can fill us in on that what from back in the sixties? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was much different back then. I remember when there were only six teams 
Well, they they always talk about the Gordie Howe hat trick, right? Was it the, or Bobby? It's Gordie Howe. It's, yeah, it's that's Gordie a goal, a fight, a goal, and assist, and a fight, and a fight, right? Yeah. And he was obviously a skilled player who could, you know. They, oh, no, it was certainly a different game, Dan. And I think you're right. The enforcer role, the actual role of enforcer, has is is I, I think a new thing. I mean, I well, think those guys were always there, but but Dan, look at the movie Slapshot. That was made in the seventies. That was that was pretty indicative of hockey of that time. There you go. And also Paul Newman at that time. And also Paul Newman. There you go. Yeah, I mean, and whatever, what happened to the guy who played Ned Braden? Was it Bradenton? Braden. Braden. Ned Braden. Whatever happened to that guy? Never worked. He was typecast. PJ has to know this. No. No. <laughs> no. Hey Dan, if it, Dan, if you're making is, is PJ in China right now? He is. <laughs> no. PJ has to be kept on seven second delay, Dan, because of just the filth. I mean, just. Um. So, Dan, finally, what we really need to know is uh, your pasta when you make it. When you make, uh, first of all, do you call it macaroni, and then it's what kind of macaroni? I I have moved fully to pasta. But you grew up with uh, we're having macaroni tonight. Macaroni. I grew, I grew up with macaroni. Right. We're having macaroni tonight. What kind? Spaghetti. Totally. But do you break up the spaghetti before you put it in the pot? Do you break it in half? I do not, and I think that's a, a blaspheme. <laughs> Peach, do you? We've forgotten. No. 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 The, you're, you're, no. You, you've tuned into the no episode of Ready to Unload for PJ. He's just... It's just everything is verboten. Everything is, is just per- no perhaps the the first fun load where the fun of the fun load was trying to figure out what the subject of the fun load is <laughs> or was. It's like a jumble. <laughs> it's like a Sudoku. It was like reverse reverse psychology. <laughs> if you can figure out what the fun load is about, you win the fun load. <laughs> All right, Dan, we're going to let you go. Sorry we called you uh, under the weather. Will you will you come back on the show? You have anything to plug, Dan? Working on anything right now? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on tour the next week. Uh, come visit me down south uh, in uh, in, uh, in New Orleans. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some uh, crab cakes. <laughs> Great. Will you put those in a roll, witch? <laughs> <laughs> it's a po' boy down there. <laughs> crab, crab cake, crab cake roll, which delicious. Maybe we should uh, take a drive up to Massachusetts and go to Ham Ham. <laughs> Cal, when we when we when we would be driving up there to Cape Cod, you know, like every town. What is what is it, Dan? Every town was either stoning ham or ramming ham. Or... <laughs> uh, it was either uh, uh, everything ended in ham. And we, I think, had the fictitious town of Hamamum. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a little north of Ham Ham. <laughs> it's it's west of. And every, either that, or, uh, it either ends in ham or mouth. I believe there was a mouth must. Mouth must. Uh, came up with too. 
Ham Mouth. <laughs> Hammoth. Yeah, it's just north of Hammoth. <laughs> what, you need to go past Hammam Ham. Street through Mouth Ham. And go to Mouth Mouth. Mouth. You're going to get killed in your Massachusetts ratings on this show. Oh, man. They have, they have just turned us off in Boston. We've been ripping on Bobby V for an hour. They just they have, they have turned us off in Boston. Uh, Dan, we will talk to you soon, brother. Feel better. All right. A pleasure, guys. All right. Bye, uh, Dan. Good job, yeah. Musky. We love right. it. Dan Ham. Dan Miss? Dan Miss. Hello, Ham Ham. That's actually a town. Damn, this is actually a town. Well, okay. all right, uh, let's wrap it up. We've already, uh, we've already lost the live So, uh, this is for just for the podcast. This is, ah. for, this is like a special PJ. Right. PJ, final unload. Final unload. People talking this week about Dick Clark and uh, Levon Helm. Uh, I think the one that's being overshadowed. Great Greg Ham of Men at Work has left us the fantastic saxophone player. Really? Uh, that's why I played Who Can It Be Now. Um, Godspeed to you, Greg. Yes. He's playing the big sax in the sky now. Or the flute. Big, or the, the multi instrument. He also played the flute. Cat. <laughs> Uh, my final unload again is for Dick Clark. Rest in peace, Dick Clark. And I will echo the sentiments of 700,000 people on Facebook. New Year's Eve will never be the same. But it's true. Rest in peace, Dick Clark. And uh, for my final unload, I'd just like to say 21 years ago today, my brother and my good buddy PJ put on a ridiculously good show that is legend. <clears throat> guys uh, did nothing else in college your production of the wall where 5,000 people showed up uh, was amazing and something that I always aspired to uh, to do or do something like so congratulations again Peach happy anniversary alright that is all the time we have for Ready to Unload please go check out the podcast at the iTunes store check out our interview with Bill Tito from MSG Network that we did that last week and uh, we will be back next week with the NFL Draft episode. It's going to be so hot. And Mouthsmith. Good night.